This is R.J. Allen, and you're listening to Rough Drafts. This is the podcast where you can get a sneak peek at early drafts of my novels before they're published. For more information, go to rjallen.com. That's rjallen.com. At the time of this recording, February of 2024, we are nearing completion of the edits on book one, and we'll be offering editions of the book to beta readers. If you're interested in becoming a beta reader, sign up for our newsletter and then send me an email giving me your email address and advising me that you have interest. I look forward to hearing from you. Season 1, Episode 21, The Seekers Series, Book 1, Fragments. Chapter 10, Part 2. Maripol marched through the main doors of the Two Rivers Bureau of Peace headquarters. This time, the guard at the security station was watching for him and opened the barricade when Maripol was still several strides away. With one look at his face, the guard's open mouth of greeting snapped closed, and he found something interesting to study on the far wall. Maripol's boots wrapped out a hollow cadence on the worn wooden floors, his palm rattling the frosted wire glass of the conference room door as he stiff-armed it mid-stride. It slammed open against the wall and rebounded, slamming shut with an even more violent rattle of glass with some last-minute assistance from Maripol's heel. Out! he said to the thick-faced beat cop who sat, red-faced, next to Maripol's black-robed investigator. The cop glanced across the table at Chief Colley, who nodded his assent. The cop stood and slapped his hat against his thigh, looked towards Maripol as if about to object, then seemed to think the better of it and left. Maripol nodded to Colley, your assistance, as before, is appreciated. I am sorry my investigator troubled you with this matter. We'll take it from here. Collie nodded. Anytime. Anything for the order, as always. If his man had been reluctant to leave, Collie made up for it with his obvious desire to be far away from this order business, and quickly. Maripol stood across the table from his man, arms crossed behind his back, studying him like a butcher studies a side of beef before swinging the cleaver. He pointed at the small red dot on the side of the man's neck. Explain that. The man rubbed the welt. It'll all be in my report. Report? Now. The man stiffened. I assigned a team to tail rule as you ordered. They reported he had made multiple excursions to a particular hotel. I took the lead and followed him, identified the room he entered, and intended to make my entry with stealth to catch him in the act. 
in the act of what? I'm still in the process of determining that. So did you catch him in the act? The man's features remained blank, but the petulance so well hidden behind that practice exterior was still visible, if you knew what to look for. My next memory was of waking beside a dumpster in an alley near the train station. Merrillpole walked once to the end of the table, face to the ceiling as if working a particularly hard puzzle, and then turned back to face the man. So, someone jumped you, drugged you. Yes. With what? With amnesinth. Maripol slapped his gloves on the table's edge. You had blood work done by an outside lab and without my authorization? No, it was not necessary. Then how do you know it was amnesinth? It was taken from me, sir. When I woke, the injector was still in my hand. Aside from the fact that you have made that conclusion without sufficient evidence, can you please explain to me how someone used your own injector on you? The blank facade was cracking under the strain of failure. I don't remember, sir. Maripol blew out a great sigh, pretending to be at a loss for words. He turned and looked out the dirt-streaked windows to take in the view of the blank brick wall they faced. It was drizzling outside. Good. It matched his mood perfectly. So let us summarize. You moved in on a primary target without permission, without an attack plan, without backup, and you let someone drug you with your own weapons. He stood on a heel, facing the table. I wish that was all you had done. But to top that, you commandeered a beat cop and a local judge and served a warrant on that primary target, again without permission. This time his gloves hit the table inside his curled fist. The man gave an involuntary jump. Pathetic. In his day, any field man unable to face painful death without flinching would have been drummed out of training. Another symptom of the unraveling of society. No principles. No foundation. No backbone. The investigator sat rigid, facing Maripol, but eyes looking at a point beyond him. Well, is that correct? Yes, sir. And what did your investigation yield? Some papers, sir. I'm certain they are code. The crypto guys are on them now. Maripol pulled a folded paper from his breast pocket and gently tipped it into the man's hands. 
He opened it, his pallor going white as he did. Maripol asked mildly, And were they code? The man gulped. And were they code? The man gulped. Apparently not, sir. So you have very nearly destroyed the entire investigation. Do you understand this? And this was the only string I had to pull. If you blew this for us. The man nodded. But I was trying to nail the traitor, sir. No excuses. Never. No matter what. Correct execution is its own witness. Failure, its own testimony. Your words are needless noise. Worse than useless. Maripol paced the room. Folded hands to his mouth. This kid is ambitious, a hard charger, and not stupid, just inexperienced. Can I use that energy? Many would cut you loose at this point, consign you to your punishment. You realize this? The man nodded, eyes dropping. Something in that gesture of contrition decided it. I will suspend punishment for one reason only. Because your error was predicated on excessive zeal. Learn from this, and you may yet survive this posting. From this point forward, you will do nothing of your own initiative. Nothing without my explicit approval. Do you understand. Maripol stopped opposite the man, hands on table, looming over the investigator, eyes demanding an answer. The man looked up, hope lighting his eyes. Anything, sir. Maripol drew an envelope from the same breast pocket. Very well. Here are your instructions. That night, Curtis re-entered the dream. He hadn't previously, but this time he realized he was dreaming. Even with that knowledge, he couldn't wake, could not extricate himself. As always, the dream was somehow more real than the waking world. He was again in the broken land, was again atop the steep pinnacle. People were still clinging to other peaks, attempting to avoid the doom below. The cherubs still stood atop their perch. Hadn't they fallen? No, they'd only begun to slip before he'd woken himself. From another nearby pyramid shone a great, white light, too bright to focus on, to see from where it emanated. The dark forms at its base were agitated. Groups of the beings occasionally dashed up the slope in an attempt to reach the light, 
but were driven back, screaming in unholy rage. By squinting his eyes, protecting them with cupped hands opened enough to create a slit, he just barely made out the shape at the light's center. Was it a sword? Yes, yes, a double-edged short sword shone with otherworldly light. And he stood there, his body drinking in the light like a plant drinks in the sun, welcoming it like a babe welcomes its mother's milk. He somehow knew this sword was that for which he had so long sought. If only he could reach it, all things would be made right. He sobbed as he woke, wanting to return to the dream and to the comfort and peace of the light.